I'm Zach Kutka with Hutka Farms and Westphalia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we are winding down what has been an absolutely awful year for Texas agriculture. Can any good come out of a year like this? Well, maybe so. We'll take a look at that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Any prolonged period of drought in the Texas High Plains immediately draws comparisons to the notoriously dry year of 2011. Well, if you look at things from a cotton perspective, 2022 appears to be worse. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. October is Fire Prevention Month. What you can do to keep you and your family safe in the event of a fire in your area. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on Texas Ag Today. In East Texas, attitudes change just like the season. Right now, they're better. This is James Duncan. I'll have more from Marshall. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. This year's drought was tough on every farmer and rancher in Texas as the debate continues over whether or not this year was worse than 2011. But regardless of how you feel about that question, maybe some good can come out of a year like this. For example, researchers at seed companies had the chance to see which varieties held up the best during an extremely dry year. Corey Mills is the North American Cotton Breeding Manager for BASF based in Lubbock. It's really hard to select for drought because there's so many genes tied to drought tolerance. So if you get a year like this where it comes in, it's tough and you're able to go out visually to look at it and also use a drone to capture that, that gives us more accuracy and better decisions in making selections for that drought tolerance. So I know it's tough. You're exactly right. A really hard year. But for us, we try to capitalize on that and help select that material that does well. And that can help seed companies develop better drought tolerance for the future. Yeah, it'll definitely move the needle. It'll take us that direction of where we're, you know, the environment that we're in. And we're also able to use other tools. You know, we use weather data, we use rainfall. All that goes in and also soil data and compile that in to help us make those selections. But a year like this, it accelerates our ability to select for this type of environment. And when you're growing cotton in a desert environment, that can pay big dividends when the next drought hits. 
Speaking of dry conditions, it has really dried out in many parts of Texas and the South Plains as we try to get a new wheat crop in the ground. USDA meteorologist Eric Lubenhusen. Increasingly dry conditions the last 30 days have been essentially bone dry from southeastern Kansas, southward across much of Oklahoma, especially the central and eastern portions of Oklahoma, as well as northern Texas. And that's not faring well for newly planted wheat. It's showing up in a satellite product that we monitor called the Vegetation Health Index, which is showing widespread either bare soils or very poor establishment across the plains. About a third of the Texas wheat crop has now been planted. And while the wheat crops going into the ground were wrapping up harvest of the Texas corn crop, some of the last corn in the state to be harvested is up in the northern panhandle. Wes Beal is with Equity Exchange in Spearman, and he says corn yields in that part of the state are coming in about a third less than we usually see. Our original expectation was somewhere between 30 and 35 percent reduction of what we saw a year ago. And I think we're probably going to end up pretty close to that. I hope we end up with that much corn. There's still a fair amount of some later season corn out there that's still pretty wet. In fact, some of these producers just shut water off 10 days ago or something like that. So some of it won't be seeing an elevator for another two or three weeks. Beal says yields are all over the place, ranging from the low 100s to the low 200s, given the huge variation in rainfall across the region this year. So which was worse, 2011 or 2022? James Hunt tells us from a cotton standpoint, it looks like this year was the worst of the two. Looking back at that horrible drought year of 2011, one thing that defined how bad things were was the exceptionally high rate of failure for cotton in the Texas High Plains. Within the Plains Cotton Growers Service area, 66% of acres planted failed. Well, although the final tally won't be known for a while, Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Growers says it appears very likely that at least 75% of this season's cotton within the organization's 42-county area will be abandoned. Brown says a key distinction between this year and 2011 comes down to conditions at planting time. In 2011, although the drought was more severe area-wide and statewide, at least in our area, we had good subsoil moisture going into the season, which in 2022, we had virtually no subsoil moisture. And then also, as irrigation capacity continues to decline, a lot of producers have told me they only have roughly half of the water availability that they had in 2011. As for cotton that has survived this year, Brown says harvest is just beginning, and although some farmers might want to save money by waiting for a freeze rather than go with defoliants, it's generally best to harvest as early as possible. In most cases, I would certainly encourage farmers to get their cotton put in the module where it's safe from exposure to the elements. We know that once that cotton bowl opens up, that is the highest quality of lint that you're going to have in that particular bowl and that it has no place to go but down in terms of degradation and exposure to the elements. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This has been a tough year for wildfires here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti says October is Fire Prevention Month. 
We go to Lufkin, and Karen Stafford is my guest. She is uh, with the Texas A&M Forest Service. So she is State Fire Prevention Program Coordinator. And Karen, October is Fire Prevention Month, and certainly that is uh, very important. What is the Forest Service doing to mark this occasion and uh, obviously stress uh, the need to prevent forest fires? This year's theme is Fire Won't Wait, Plan Your Escape. And so with that theme, we're encouraging homeowners and landowners to start thinking about evacuations. If Evacuations aren't just necessary in wildfires, but could be applied to any natural disaster if you have a hurricane coming as well. These are some tips that could certainly help in that situation. Why is October designated Fire Prevention Month? Well, the NFPA, the National Fire Protection Association, they are the ones that designated October for fire prevention. And so we've adapted it from that national theme. And so people of all ages, urban and rural, need to make sure that uh, they're prepared in the event of uh, any type of disaster. And uh, that also involves a fire. Uh, What are some of those uh, specific recommendations that you can pass along? Well, we talk a lot about how to build your evacuation kits and the things to put into your evacuation kits and planning your evacuation routes and making sure you have multiple evacuation routes pre-planned in case one of them becomes compromised. But something that some people don't often think about, and this could vary region to region or city to city wherever they live, is how would they be notified in an emergency situation? So we really encourage homeowners to talk to their emergency responders, reach out to your fire department, and ask them those kinds of questions. Um, is there some sort of a reverse 911 system to where they will receive a phone call? Or is there an emergency alert system that they need to sign up for ahead of time? That's Texas A&M Forest Services, Karen Stafford. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The seasons are changing as fall has arrived in East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. In East Texas, attitudes change. Yes, just like the season. Hunting season is here. Haying season has just about ended. We're still doing some of those last cuttings, and the producers are happy to get it, but the quality is not near what it needs to be. This may be that time of the year when you need to do a a test, forage test. $10 spent now may save you a lot when it comes to figuring feed costs for the winter time and that is really important with the way the market fluctuating nowadays and expected larger runs even throughout the season you can expect some lowering of the prices so forage test and get the best product on the market okay now then one of the things that does change is deer hunting is coming we have a lot of producers that use their ranches and farmlands For those hunters on day leases, extra income, we're always looking for a way. That's it. Then the hog situation, well, we have several counties that have this year purchased traps for their producers to use. Every agent that I talk to that has had a trap out, they've been very successful in trapping hogs all over East Texas. We can't get rid of them that way, but it does help cut down on the numbers somewhat so thanksgiving's just around the corner christmas is coming and it's always a good time in east texas this is james duncan reporting for texas ag today the texas pollinator bioblitz is underway i'm jessica Dolmel, and i'll have details coming up on texas ag today and there are some vaccines that horses need in the fall 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. October 12th is National Farmers Day, a day dedicated to those who wake before the sun rises and often work until long after it sets. It's only because of farmers' tireless efforts to produce more while using less that we have the food, feed, fiber, and fuel we need here in America, and plenty more for export. And farmers produce all of this sustainably so that future generations have the same bounty. Please join Syngenta in honoring the men and women of agriculture today and every day. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are some vaccines that horses need here in the fall, but Dr. Bob Judd says it's believed that the horse's response to vaccines depends on the health of their intestinal tract. Some horses respond to vaccines differently than others. Most vaccines require boosters because the animal's immunity decreases over time and a booster stimulates the immunity. There are conditions in horses that decrease the horse's response to vaccines, and any disease process can do this, especially equine metabolic syndrome. Horses commonly have equine metabolic syndrome, and those horses are usually overweight and have a different number and type of normal organisms in the gastrointestinal tract. The number and type of organisms in the GI tract are called the microbiota, and disruption of these organisms can affect the immune system. Dr. Kathleen Crandall explains in the horse publication that 70% of the immune system is located in the intestinal tract, and beneficial and non-beneficial bacteria reside in the intestinal lumen and usually stay in balance. If an imbalance occurs, the immune response can trigger inflammation. Dr. Amanda Adams from Kentucky indicates that one study showed feeding prebiotics changes the immune response in horses to influenza vaccination. However, it is not known if these horses were actually better protected against the disease. There is limited research to clearly identify which supplements may optimize the microflora to best support a horse's immune system. Although there seems to be hundreds of supplements available claiming to support the immune system, there is very little research to indicate these supplements actually work. If you have other questions about immunity in your horse, contact me at TexVet at TXFB.org. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Pollinator Bio Blitz is underway. Jessica Domel tells what exactly that is in today's Wildlife Report. Texans, it's time to grab your cell phones, or perhaps a camera, and head outdoors. The Texas Pollinator BioBlitz is officially underway. The Pollinator BioBlitz is an annual observation of pollinators in Texas, like butterflies, bees, and beetles that pollinate wildflowers, crops, and other plants across the state. During the BioBlitz, Texans of all ages and abilities are encouraged to find pollinators and nectar-producing plants, take a photo, and share it with friends on social media and the iNaturalist website. Those who participate in the event are encouraged to register beforehand on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. They're also encouraged to use the hashtag TXPollinators when posting to Instagram, iNaturalist, 
Naturalist and on the event Facebook page. Need a little help identifying a pollinator? The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has several resources available on its Texas Pollinator BioBlitz page, including pollinator fact sheets, management recommendations for native insect pollinators, information on identifying bumblebees, information on monarch butterflies in Texas, tips for photographing pollinators, and more. The Texas Pollinator BioBlitz started Friday and runs through October 23rd. During that time period, several state parks and communities have pollinator-related events scheduled. A list is available on the TPWD website. Events include a Design a Pollinator event for children at the Wimberley Library, a pollinator walk in the Hill Country State Natural Area, butterfly and dragonfly tours, guided hikes, and more. To find the Texas Pollinator BioBlitz page, simply search Texas Pollinator BioBlitz on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It was another one of those days where the grain markets jumped higher and the cattle market dropped lower. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The grain markets jumped sharply higher on Monday, and that caused the cattle markets to drop lower, both live and feeder cattle ending in the red in Monday's trade. October live cattle down 62 at 144.70. December down $1.05 at 147 even. February live cattle down $1.50.75. Even bigger losses in the feeder cattle market. October feeders down 262 at 172.10. November feeders down 275, 172.87, while January feeder cattle were down 232 at 174.27. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week's trade, selling cattle as high as 144 here in Texas. That's a buck higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices mixed Monday. Choice down 41 cents at 245.66. Select up 34. At 216.47. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Thanks for joining me and Jody Fry. He's from Producers in Cargill. They sell cattle on Thursday. Jody, how did you sell them? 16.55 was the total today, so over 500 head, more than the previous week. It felt like for all these kids and yearlings, they sold on the lower side. Of course, a lot of them are, are still these smaller groups of unweaned, unvaccinated kids, and uh, saw a lower market today, mostly five to ten dollars lower. Slaughter cows and bulls, they sold another three to five dollars lower. Limited numbers of young to good age bred cows and pairs sold near steady. Better quality steers, four to 600 pounds from 130 all the way up to a high of near 175 mostly 140 
to 160. Better quality heifer calves, four to 600 pounds from 120 up to a high of near 160, mostly 135 to 150. Slaughter cows average to high yielding from 57 to 71. Gibbs have several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 72 to 78. Thinner or lower yielding type cows from 33 to 55. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding, 75 to 91. Still had several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 92 all the way up to a high of 104. Bred cows and two-year-olds average to better quality. Just had a few singles and small groups, medium to heavy bred, anywhere from 750 to 1075. Same way on the calf-calf pairs, average to better quality. Just some singles and small groups of those from 850 to a high of 1200. What are you thinking for this next week? Seems like more of the same. Uh, sheep and goat numbers just been somewhere around that 6,500 or, or 7,000 head just week in and week out. And uh, Cattle numbers uh, should have a pretty good run again next week. We, we know some kids in Yearlings coming, so uh, probably another 11 to 1,300 head of cattle at next week's sale. Tell everybody how to contact you. bet. At the office, 325-653-3371. Mobile phone would be 234-7895. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher in Monday's trade. October lean hogs up 80 cents at 93.75. December hogs up 245, 79.60. Class 3 milk was lower. October milk down 23 cents, 21.88 a hundredweight. November milk down 31 at 21.54 a hundred. Short covering came into an oversold cotton market and caused a limit up close in the nearby contracts on Monday. December cotton up 400 points at 88.23. March cotton up 400 at 86.66. The grain markets got a big boost from Russia stepping up their attacks on the Ukraine over the weekend. Fears that Russia may cut off grain shipments from Ukraine with their stepped-up attacks, so that caused nervousness in the grain markets, both corn and wheat finishing sharply higher in Monday's trade. December corn up 15 cents, 6.98 and a quarter. March corn up 13 and three quarters, 7.04 and three quarters. Hard wheat now above 10 bucks. December Kansas City wheat jumped 55 and a half at 10.24 and a quarter. December Chicago wheat up 57 and three quarters at 938 a bushel. In the energy markets, November natural gas was down 23 cents, 651. November crude oil down $1.72 at 9092 a barrel. The financial markets slightly lower Monday afternoon. The Dow down 43 points at 29,253. The NASDAQ down 92 at 10,550. The S&P down 24, 3,614. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.